Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Association podcast from the WBNS FM studios in Columbus, Ohio. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Finch. And I'm another of your hosts, Daniel Barnett. Welcome to Nerd Association. If this is your first time here, we like to talk about things that people are passionate about, whatever that may be. That's what a nerd is, right? If this isn't your first time here, welcome back. And we'd like to welcome back somebody who it's definitely not his first time here. I would say Nerd Association's number one super fan, Sean Brueger. Welcome back to the cast today to talk about a topic that's near and dear to your heart in particular. Hello. Thanks for having me back. It's always fun. What do you think of when I say, do you swear to protect the travelers of the night? I mean, how could we think of anything else but the new Disney Plus Marvel show Moon Knight? in which that line is intimidatingly repeated <laughs> throughout the show by one F. Murray Abraham, who has one of those voices that I knew I knew. Like, I could identify yeah. it was a voice I knew, but I, I eagerly watched the credits of the first episode to be like, who does that voice? Who does the voice of the skeleton uh, bird man? <laughs> and then it's one of those names for me, too, where I was like, okay. So now it's F. Murray Abraham, and I know that name. Yeah. But then I'm like, what does F. Murray Abraham look like? Well, yeah, what's he in? What's he <laughs> yeah, look like? Yeah, but it was, so it's, it, was, it was twofold for me on that one. He's one of those actors that's in lots of things, but, but it's hard to always remember what. Yeah. Yeah. I kept thinking Liam Neeson, and then I'm like, no, it's off. It's not, slightly not him. Who could it be? <laughs> it has that timbre, though. That's a good, that's a good catch. So anyway, we yes, we are talking about, we're not just talking about F. Murray Abraham and his career. We're going to talk about Moon Knight today, and obviously every time there's a new Marvel series coming out, we, we pay attention to it, we're excited about it, at least in the fact that it's a new Marvel series. But you have been a fan of the Moon Knight comics and that franchise for a long time. Do you want to tell us kind of how you got into it and what your read was like kind of before you watched the show, like what were you excited about? What were you worried about? That kind of stuff. Sure. When I first started getting into comics, we didn't have, you know, many places that I, to go to get them. So the one place in my hometown that we did have closed, uh, not too long after, I think I, I only made like one or two trips there with, it would have been before I could even drive or my brother could even drive. So I imagine one of my parents took us, but then there was another comic shop in a town called yellow Springs that was just down the road. And that place, that's a, it's a bookstore that's still open dark horse comics. So, you know, some of my first books that I, I got were, you know, your Spider-Man X-Men. And then I had this one actually not even, a Moon Knight comic, it was his first appearance in uh, Werewolf by Night. And me being the Halloween guy, of course, I pick a comic that's entitled Werewolf. I will say, just to interject briefly, when you told me you were a big Moon Knight fan, I did sort of uh, nod my head and go, yeah, the mummy superhero would be the one <laughs> that Sean, right, that Sean right. would gravitate toward. Yeah, so many different things. And the character's obviously gone through changes over the years in the comics. The biggest point and sort of uniqueness to this character is his insanity. When I look back at it, it was sort of all the things that everybody seems to like about Deadpool, 
because Deadpool didn't initially start off crazy like that. Sure. Like we know him in pop culture. That was sort of Moon Knight before. Well, and, and the my healing mind. the healing factor too is is not too Absolutely. far off of Deadpool, right? Um and I'm and I'm going I'm racking my brain. I don't recall I feel like he broke the fourth wall a couple of times, but everybody gives that credit to to Deadpool. Sure. So I I don't know. I'm not I'm not I don't know that for a fact, but I, I will say maybe one of the things that, that continued to, to draw me into the character and his his comics were so one of the things that actually does scare me for some reason is mental hospitals. Yeah. From like the early 1900s, like Shutter for, Island. For good reason. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's sort of like, okay, so here's a place where they can put you. Nobody asks questions. There's not even really light at the end of the tunnel. They just keep right. you there. So that sort of thing creeped me out and scared me and terrified me and still does to this day. So like, I don't know if it was that aspect of being sort of like this background, this feeling that the whole thing's giving me that sort of drew me into it initially. And like that, that stuck with the character going along and just the fact that they could also, I like the idea that they could also write a story arc and maybe it wasn't received well, or it was terrible. And then they just play, you could play it off as it was all in his head sure. and continue on a different route. But yeah, I was very, very excited when this, they first started talking about the the TV adaptation of, I was a little worried about with Oscar Isaac being in it, not because I think he's a bad actor. I actually like him a lot or I want to like his stuff, but he doesn't have a good track record with, superhero movies well i guess comic movies or or disney movies as of late so that sort of had one made me a little bit nervous but i wasn't disappointed by this show well i'm I'm curious before we get in too far into the sort of the plot of this show they do they tell you much about his background in the comics i mean there's the origin story of him becoming Moon Knight, but is there? Do they get too much into the the multiple personalities in the comics, or is that just something that's kind of there and assumed and is never really delved into? They do have a few stories early, like in some of the earlier comics, but any more the the modern day sort of writing of it of the character is not those personalities are sort of just there. Like they explain enough of what they are and how they are, how they react and what they serve, how they serve the character, but they don't really explain too much where it came from anymore. We always feel that we need to issue the spoiler warning for some reason, even though I guess for those who might be new, just so you know, we don't care about spoilers on this show. You've had enough time now to, to wrap it up if that was really important to you. Uh, but there are spoilers ahead. And it'll be here if once you finish. Yeah, eventually. come back. <laughs> yeah, come back and listen. But one of the things that I I was kind of concerned, knowing very little about Moon Knight, was kind of concerned about when I started to do a little bit of research is the portrayal of mental health. And like mental health is so much better understood by a much broader audience these days. And so to just say, oh, he's crazy, one, some people are offended by that, and for good reason, because it depends on what the portrayal's like, right? 
Um, but then too, it's like, well, how, <laughs> how are we justifying sort of this behavior? And my wife's a psychiatrist and has some insight into that. And so one of the things I thought was pretty interesting about the way they handle it in, in the show, and this is a big spoiler, I suppose, is that essentially Mark slash Steven slash Jake, we find out, have dissociative identity disorder, which is what was formerly once called sort of multiple personalities, and that his was created as a result of trauma. And that is actually fairly accurate. Like, that is, if a person is going to develop dissociative identity disorder, that's usually the reason why, because they want to compartmentalize that trauma away from themselves and come up with this other personality that doesn't know anything about it and can sort of look at it through a different lens. So I actually was pleasantly surprised by sort of that handling of how Moon Knight has these these multiple personalities. And I did think that's, of course, reinforced by the fact that Khonshu wants the personalities not to know about each other <laughs> and reinforces it even further. And as they're going through it, too, um, at the beginning of the show, because of it being a, a comic book TV show and Marvel and stuff, you're not even 100% sure until they really delve into it as this, as that season goes on of like, okay, so they are just one person. And right. Because there's, I mean, there's a part of it where it's like, well, he has this whole nother life. And like, you know, you're, because anything is possible in the Marvel sure. universe, really. A doppelganger, a right. clone, a, yeah, a so twin, whatever. So you don't know exactly what's going on. And then they explain it so that that probably makes it a little better that they don't just go out right away and you know, try to like blame it all on multiple personality disorder that they get to that. And that, that becomes the explanation for it. But I like right. that you, you, as you're watching it, if you don't know exactly what's going on with the moon Knight character, you're not sure that that's exactly what they're going for. Yeah. What I sort of enjoyed about that and, and it's different from the comics and it was enough that it threw me off, but it was, intriguing was the that he started off we were first introduced to him as Stephen Grant and that's not his main personality as we find out later too right uh, and so they yeah they, they were changing things up and making you sort of pulling some strings to get you intrigued into the story and, and, and am I correct in in remembering or having researched that in the comics Stephen Grant isn't the sort of bumbling idiot he is more like the sort of archaeologist socialite or is he kind of the bumbling idiot of the three um he's the well he's perceived as the weaker of the three but he is he's like the detective well no yeah he's kind of the detective part of it at least they've made him out to be in the newer stuff um his persona when he becomes Mr. Knight, that wasn't always there. Um, that was, that's actually fairly new in the comics We're like within the last, Oh gosh, uh, 10 years maybe. Okay. So that, that's been new. And so he, he, they have sort of shifted him a little bit away from that bumbling, bumbling idiot, weak personality. And, in the comics is because from the show, you get the impression like Mark Spector's the mercenary. Stephen Grant is the nerd, but like the well-read nerd. And Jake Lockley is almost like an agent 47 type, like a hitman type character, but like capital H hitman. Is that, yeah. is that Jake Lockley in the, we get so little of him in this season. Right. So Jake Lockley is like 
the um, in the so let me back up in the comics. The, your personality traits were Mark Spector, the the main guy, the mercenary, gets the powers. Stephen Grant being the sort of more intelligent detective using his detective skills. Sure. Um, and then Jake Lockley was like the sort of like the the stakeout guy. Like he was the driver. He was the which was also what what I enjoyed in the in the show when we do see him. He's, he's a limousine driver. driver. Yeah. Right. He's like the driver, the guy that goes the PI that goes undercover to to gather more information. And then he does sort of he he does get involved in the fights. It's not just Mark Spector or or Grant, but the um, yeah, he's more the the tougher, grittier character of the three. Well, and you get the impression, by the way, that that Stephen and Mark react to neither one of them having done these really violent things. That he's the most unhinged of the three. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, well, because, yeah, when they do those blackouts and they don't know what Which exactly one? happened, it, yeah. it does appear that Lockley's uh, brutality is above their pay grade. Yeah. Or at least they're stomaching for for how rough they'll get with people they're in a conflict with. And then he shows up at the end, and you're like, okay. I, I Do they do that? Like, how established are all the characters in the comic book? Or, like, because that was one thing about the show that I was like, oh, I kind of wish... You know, we got to see these things, or maybe they could have at least done a flashback when they revealed the character, but it's the after credit scene, so there's not really an opportunity. But yeah. I'm just like, well, I want to see him beat up all the guys. I want to see that fight. Right. Yeah. In the comics, no, that that whole um, like cutaway stuff from the show, mm-hmm. that, that, that was solely the show. Most of the time, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, they, I mean, they do have bits and pieces, but nothing nothing huge where it's like, I don't remember doing this like that. That's still in, in the, in the stories and the comics, but as far as things that big where you're like missing out on entire fight scenes and things like that, that, that was solely or for the most part to the show. Um, it felt a little like, and they woke up and it was all a dream type storytelling. And I was like, no, show me it. Yeah. Although I will say as a newbie to the series, and again, I had done a little bit of research, but I went into this one fairly, fairly uninformed. Um, I, I enjoyed the sort of mystery aspect in the first, especially in the first few episodes. It felt very much to me like WandaVision where for the first few episodes, you kind of are like, what's going on here? You know that there has to be more than what you're seeing, um, and and it's an interesting. It, but then by the end of Wandavision, they reveal it, and you actually get to see those characters have a conflict, and they actually fight each other. That was my only like. I, I feel like Lockley should have been revealed at like the end of the penultimate episode. I, probably, probably. I the other thing I think that's a little bit weird is that there's you know right now there's not a whole lot of evidence to suggest that there will be a season two even though they clearly ended season one with a big cliffhanger so i don't know if they just did that as insurance or (laughs) well at the very least now like okay we this is what the character actually is here's the full thing moon knight can show up in other marvel properties maybe not a moon knight season two sure but maybe in a different movie or a different or different series yeah and i think that's sort of what they started with with doing the Netflix characters was more or less a how can we how can we tell their story 
in a small way, but then now we have those characters open to pulling them in, but then there was all the, the neglect from, from Marvel not wanting to, cons- who was it? Was it Feige? Who at some point came out and said, no, they're not part of it, even though they're clearly trying to make the shows part of the, part of the universe. Um, but that was sort of the original idea of doing the TV shows, but now TV's gotten, those streaming services have gotten much bigger, and right. obviously Disney owns it all. That, yeah, we can introduce these characters in small story arcs of their own, and whether they're popular or not, if they're popular, we keep going with that sure. show. But if they're not, we still have now we have that character in the universe and can pull them in at any time. And then you don't need a uh, clunky in movie part where this is Mark Spector, but he's also Stephen yeah. Grant. <laughs> well, and right. not to not to t- to spoil too much talking about a completely different thing, but uh, you know, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is something that at this point. At least Chops and I have had the opportunity to see. This I won't spoil because we're going to talk about this in the next episode. But worth noting, that movie got a huge benefit from having told Wanda's story before the movie ever started and having it. So, you know, you do need to have watched WandaVision to watch Doctor Strange, I think. I mean, you'd get it, but you wouldn't get it nearly as, as much. And so I think Disney slash Marvel are taking... I think the correct path <laughs> to assume, hey, if you're seeing this movie, you should have seen this show. And perhaps, as you said, that's how Moon Knight, maybe Moon Knight gets a movie, maybe Moon Knight shows up in a movie, but they don't have to explain anything about that character moving forward. I also think they clearly don't know what they're going to do with Moon Knight, yes. because one of the things that stood out to me a lot was not even like in the background of a TV or somebody saying that was before the blip or any, there were None like that was no up. references to things that we all know about the MCU. So, I mean, it's clearly in it, but they like, they, he didn't meet up with any other character. He didn't, you know, come across Wong right. or something, you know, little things. Very like standalone all, yes. and a standalone story. Really, if they didn't do another season of it, you could at least say that this story was told pretty much to its completion. Yeah. No, I agree. I think they did a very good job. And I think that was sort of different from the norm. They sort of went against the grain on they're not forcing it to us to be in the overall universe. It's just let's tell a good story. Another another sort of credit to the story of because he's crazy is the they don't have to add anything else from the from the universe into that story if they're there are enough characters kind of as it is <laughs> right we're seeing we're well and we're seeing sort of his perception on life and maybe that stuff just gets tuned out like it's all sort of how i looked at it was it's all sort of we're, we're getting kind of a glimpse of his perspective on it and um in a way in the story and how they're telling that story well, I suppose if the point of your character is that you're you'd have developed multiple personalities to block out trauma, I mean, yeah, you might not <laughs> you might not want to think about the blip and what effect it might have had on you or the people around you. This might have been pre-blip too. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. We really don't. Yeah, we have no indication of where this fits in the timeline. That's a good point yeah, too. Chops. I mean, it's because you think about that phone he has. That's a flip phone. But there is definitely like modern tech, like it's it's modern enough. But there's not like here's the new iPad <laughs> like that right. they're throwing in your face, so you don't know exactly where it's at. The timeline on Marvel is getting confusing too because of the blip. Because 
they then they're five years ahead of what Where we is, are what yeah. we're actually at in real time but then they kind of took a two-year break because of the pandemic so now it might only be three years. yeah it's it's really confusing <laughs> if you're trying to like put an actual year date on it but they're kind of far enough removed from the real world at this point wasn't the blip supposed to have happened in 2017 is that i believe isn't that when avengers endgame came out or am i wrong 17 or 18 i think it was 18 so we are pretty much caught up on i mean we will be very close to caught up yeah to where you know the end of the blip and or not end game i'm sorry infinity war right was 2017 or 2018 so yeah we're not too far off being caught up yeah end game was 2019 i know that correct i know that yeah agreed so I, I I think standout moments. I was really a big fan of how they handled his sort of sleep deprivation. The steps he was taking. It was very much show don't tell with Stephen Grant. That clearly, like, there's this big worrisome thing going on in his life that he's not uh, he's not addressing in any real way. But having multiple locks on the door having a chain around his his ankle, putting sand around his bed, like without saying a whole lot, we have gotten from the very get-go, oh, this guy is trying to make sure he knows when he sl- at least sleepwalks. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, the maybe the furthest we get. And then, of course, the first instance we see of that sort of sleepwalking He's in another country <laughs> in the middle of the day. Waking up in, and, the, in the middle of a field. And so, yeah, clearly it justifies the steps he's taken to. <laughs> to well, and then when he gets back, he realizes that he lost four days yeah, or three something. Or, three or four days, yeah. He's trying to go on that date, and she's like, you stood me up. He's like, wait, it's not Friday. Yeah. It's, it's Monday. And he lost his goldfish. Yeah, the goldfish, I I, I, I appreciated like the, what they were the metaphor, though I don't know that I ever sort of completely singled it out, except that it had to do with his childhood, that he had a goldfish that only had one fin. I don't understand how he had enough time to get this much of his whole life with the apartment, with all the books and a curator job or trying to work his way up to curator at a at like, where's all the time to, to do all this? <laughs> it's getting too far into the weeds of the characters. But that that I as I learn more about what the character is and how much. You know, okay, so it is the it's one body, it's one person, and they're splitting up this time. I was like, how did they have time to do all of these things? Yeah, that's a good point too. Because the how how long can a human body go without sleep before it dies? Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, and clearly they're showing that. I mean, I think to partially answer your question, Chops, Stephen Grant is trying to stay up as much as possible. He's trying to sleep as little as possible. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's filling that time by reading these books of hieroglyphics and learning Coptic and things like that. But yeah, I guess you could chalk it up to Moon Knight's healing factor that he doesn't die from lack of sleep. Sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe that's the point. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's still a point well taken. Like, it's clearly doing harm to him in on lots of fronts. I didn't dislike it, but I will say for, for me, this one didn't grab me as much, and I'm not really sure what it was, what didn't, because I thought Oscar Isaac did a really good job. I really like, you really felt like it was two different people. The acting was, was really the, good, yeah. yeah. I thought Oscar Isaac did a really good job. Um, I don't know if it was because it was less, like, really into the MCU details that maybe that was the reason. It just felt like I wasn't super excited for, oh, the next this week's Moon Knight is out. And I don't know why that was, but it just didn't quite grab me. I watched all of it, but it never, it never had me. 
Laura and I watched the first one. I knew we were going to talk about it. I hadn't been watching it every week. We watched the first one on like a Saturday evening with the thought, oh, we'll watch one or two and I'll watch them over the course of a few days. And we watched all five back to back until like two in the morning. So, I, I mean, I was grabbed by the first five episodes and I did find myself feeling like, oh, I really want to know what happens next because they d- it's it's this mystery tied up in, in an action show where there are a lot of things like you want to know what's going to come in the next episode. There are lots of great cliffhangers. I wonder if I would have liked it more had if I you not watched it? it week to week. Yeah, Maybe. I don't know. Well, I don't. I, I'm not. I mean, it's to each to each their own. Sean, kind of. I, I guess I'd like to talk about impressions of the first five episodes because I think the finale kind of deserves its own conversation in a way, or maybe the first four episodes, and then there's the fifth episode in the sanatorium. That's its own thing, and then the sixth episode's kind of its own thing. Yeah. So I guess, Sean, what about you? I was intrigued. Like the whole first episode. I'm just thinking or wondering because I'm thrown off a little bit by they're starting with the Stephen Grant personality and how it's all going to tie together. And then you're sort of like, when's he going to get in the costume? When are we going to see the costume? And so I think that it really sort of pulled it in and, and really grabbed me by the end of that first episode where you only get a brief, you only see him for a brief moment. But it's the the badassery happening of the Moon Knight beating up beating that uh, what was it a jackal, and then just sort of turning and walking towards the camera or walking through the camera, and I think that's sort of like okay that that moment hooked me more to, like sort of I was getting excited that sort of amped up the excitement and then I was just I couldn't really wait for the next episode. I thought the pacing of the whole thing from episode to episode and then across the whole story, the pacing was good and they did well to have little moments like that where it was enough to keep you in it from both the action and the mystery part. But for sure, as he's sort of figuring things out and moving along, those were sort of the good, the pulling points for me. And of course, seeing seeing the hero in action. I think I also might like it more on a second watch, especially with the the fact that maybe you can binge it a little bit more. I feel like I missed some key details and I wasn't following it perfectly. And that's the problem with the when it's this not intense, dense. Yeah, when it's like that dense of a story, it's it's like I can sit down and compartmentalize and watch a movie for upwards of three hours and kind of right. really follow Hold it, it all when in I, your head when i when i watch something one afternoon and then i have to wait a whole nother week to watch it and i'm not familiar you know this isn't seasons of characters that i'm familiar with right there was something that got lost for me and it just didn't have me too excited and i think the reason i think i would because i don't have a very strong opinion that it was bad which is different like sometimes i'll get that like yeah it didn't grab me and i didn't i just didn't like also, it yeah. at all like i just don't there's here's x reasons why I don't think it's good, um, but this one didn't fully have that for me. I thought the performances were good. The only two things that I like didn't think were, were the greatest, and this is partially this one at least because it's a TV show instead of a movie. Yeah. Um, some of the effects look a little cheaper. I thought at the end, what was it Layla's costume? I was like, okay, so you spent all the all the CG on, on the giant <laughs> crocodile lady, and she's just wearing like a Cleopatra outfit, <laughs> essentially. Um, 
But that's that's not that big of a deal because you can okay well budget is budget and some of the stuff looked really cool I liked when they did the the sky thing with Conchu and they yeah. had that all going so I, there were some things that I thought were really cool the other thing that I think is a real problem with uh, like directing in the last five six years people don't know how to shoot dark anymore if you're not watching yeah. this in a in a home theater or a dark room you can't see it if you're trying to watch this show during the daylight there are there are lots of shows about which i could have had this complaint but yes i agree with you it is hard a lot of these shows and i have the same complaint about like the mandalorian or the book of boba fett you almost have to watch it at night or you have to shut the blinds and yeah exactly and i don't know if they and that didn't used to be a problem i don't know if it's hdtv struggle with blacks because i know they do especially when streaming but there's something about it like i'm just like I'm sitting there like, I can't see what's yeah. going on. If there's the any glare at all in the room. And, and there were some moments. Again, we watched the first five episodes at night. And so no issues. When we went to watch the sixth one, it was during the day. And I was yeah. like, oh, crap. We had to close all the blinds. And, you know, I I would say that I didn't have issues with the pacing up until the finale. I I was riveted by the pace for the first four, certainly. I think the fifth episode where you're there's that implication for a moment that all of this has been in his head. I think I had to just have in the moments where that was like potential, I had to just have faith that no, this is a mind game and this is a mind palace and this is all all metaphorical that in fact, what we had all, what we had witnessed was real and that this was some subversion of that. I saw some articles and things online and you know how I feel about people who write like, shock articles online just for clout or for clicks or whatever that were like i'm never watching another disney show again because at the end of episode four he's in the mental hospital and they're like because clearly they just did this cheap trick of oh it was all in his head like no you idiot clearly (laughs) clearly they're gonna go somewhere with this i'm not gonna watch i'm not even gonna give a chance to the last two episodes yeah that's a bad way of handling it isn't it because you can tell that that hospital is not reality yes like you it's they make it very apparent that this is not the real reality either like there's something going on here and so i i do take issue with I, i in a way you like that this show is confusing that's the point the point is that you're feeling the confusion that the characters are feeling. Also, watch a whole thing before yeah, you before right, you, before you crap on the entirety of it. But anyway, we've talked about that toxic fandom on here before, all as many times as we need to, and we're going to keep talking about it because quit being so toxic, people. I will say that I thought the finale happened to it was almost an anticlimax i mean it wrapped up the story i suppose effectively enough i'm not sure what i would want them to have done in addition but i did feel like something lacked from the finale i don't know and i don't have the answer for what would have been what would have been better i do think having the jake lockley post credit scene was good i think that answered a question for me that i was like you mean we're not going to address that at all I also will admit that I went into the last episode knowing that there are no current plans to make a season two. So I think I expected, I don't know what I expected. I think it's because that fifth episode, and that fifth episode's really good. Yes. But it totally takes you out of the other story. And so it's really well paced. Like if you're thinking of like the three act structure of a movie and then they've just kind of extended it and added a bit more into it, but it's like two episodes, first act, two episodes, second act two episodes third act 
but one of those episodes is not the story right. at all. Yeah. And they almost needed another they almost needed seven episodes that like you can have this interlude, but then that makes then that really crunched up the third or, act of or the story. Or even an extra twenty minutes on the final episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it was the shortest of all the episodes, and if I recall the shortest the shortest episode of any of the shows so far. Maybe it would be forty four minutes that was the shortest of the episodes. And and it was forty four minutes. Yeah. That's because he blacked out during the fight scene. Right. Yeah, but in the fight scene. They were probably over by like 45 minutes and they said, you know what? How can we shorten this down? Yeah. Well, ah, does, does Lockley his- have a Moon Knight costume, the, the like the white costume? Uh, his was always, well, I'm, I'm trying to remember if he was actually in dress as Moon Knight. But if he was, he didn't have anything separate. If it was, it, it would have been the same as, as Mark Spector's. But my point is they could at least show they could have showed that and had that fight and that would have had a really nice climactic uh, third act fight. And then there could have been some, you know, the the and then they come up and they're like, what just happened? So we know those two don't know what happened. We know there was a Moon Knight doing this. And then you do that reveal of Lockley. And here's what he it, it is them. But it's a third one of them. And that's what they were experiencing all this time. And in that last episode, you at least got to see. Lockley fight in in action. Yeah. Again, I'm not sure that I even, I I like that. I'm not sure that I have the answer for what I was missing. It just felt like uh, they rushed, they rushed the final bit in a way that I'm not sure how you fix it or what, if it, maybe it doesn't need fixed. Maybe it was just because I was like thinking, oh, there might not be another season of this. So I'd like for them to wrap up (laughs) a little bit more neatly. I don't know. Uh, On the whole though, I enjoyed it a lot. I love Oscar Isaac. I don't have, I mean, I know that like some of the movies he's been in haven't been great, but like all actors have movies they've been in that haven't been great. I was a little unsure about Ethan Hawke. I thought he was very compelling as Harrow. I read a really cool thing from him that he said when he was like taking the role, he was like, can you draw me a one page comic book? you know, the big, the, yeah. the, the centerfold type page yeah. of like what my character would look like. And that's how he like was able for him at least to go through his process and dive into what he thinks that character would be like. I thought that was a cool way to approach it. The story that I've heard told is that, so Oscar Isaac was also an executive producer on this show and that in order to convince Ethan Hawke to take that role, cause he courted him personally for it. They like were in Belgium and took psychedelic mushrooms together over a weekend and just like went out on a hill in Belgium and got <laughs> wicked high and got to know each other. And that that was eventually kind of what sealed the deal, which you got to love for a show like this, that that was the thing that they did to kind of break bread together, whatever you want to say. It's, yeah, it's definitely more like mystic than the rest of the Marvel yeah. stuff that, we, that we've gotten. And it opens the door, to, you know, your, your blade and your at the end of Eternals. That was, I guess that was for me, we were talking about the connections to the MCU lacking. Mm-hmm. There was a, um, the only thing that I could think of was once they showed that museum, the British museum, that, that was in the Eternals. Yeah. And so sort of connecting that to what we saw with Jon Snow or, or Black Knight. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Blade made a sort of a voice cameo at the end of that. Right. But a, they're all in the same place. I kept thinking, is somebody going to show up in this? But yeah, I'm I'm okay with how they did it, but yeah. it definitely leaves the door open. And I know they they've been talking. They they've said there's it's a one and done series, but there was something about somebody. Um, 
a tweet or something that I don't know if it was Disney or somebody put out on that last episode where they said season finale instead of series, series finale, finale yeah. and semantics. I mean, I think they're leaving the door open. I guess it's one of those things, too, with I remember commenting when Dune part one came out that they didn't confirm there was going to be a Dune part two until after opening weekend. In a way that, like, you've already marketed this as Dune part one. Does that do you know what I'm getting at? That like yeah. they basically they kind of were waiting to decide whether or not there was going to be a season two until season one wrapped up. Whereas with some shows, they'll greenlight several seasons at once or, you know, partially through a season say, yeah, there's definitely going to be a season two. I also think in part it's just because Oscar Isaac signed a three movie deal for the Star Wars movies and decided that if he was going to deal with Disney again, he wouldn't sign contracts like that. I mean, <laughs> you know. It's that true. that yeah. might be why he just you know, they don't want to say anything because it, he's an executive producer and the star and he said I'm only going to sign on for one and then see how I feel. We haven't talked about this yet, but I do think it's worth talking about the fact that there's a lot of really cool firsts in this series. So we have the first Jewish American superhero, Mark Spector's Jewish, which is neat. We have the first Egyptian actress playing an Egyptian superhero in May Kalamawi as Layla. Um, Scarlet Scarab, is that the role? Is Scarlet Scarab presumably a character from the comics and does Mark Spector's wife play the Scarlet Scarab? She was unique to the show. Okay. So yeah, that character, that was a made-up character they um, they had only on the show. She's not been in the... Layla's been in the comics, but... Is Scarlet Scarab a character in the comics? No, no, okay. that's the made-up superhero. Got it, yeah. got it. The superhero part, part of that is is, made, is they made for the show, which was I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. But no, that character is, is, is in the comic. That's funny Not the serum. Sorry. It's funny when you say, like, that part was made up for the show, and it's like, I get what you're saying, but it also like, it's all made implies up there, yeah. that, like, <laughs> some of it's real, and it's, it's weird, yeah. Well, and then as you're going through it, too, you're going through the Egyptian stuff and I was looking some of it up and it's like, oh, okay, some of this is like, you know, real stuff from, you know, Egyptian lore, I guess is the best way to put it. But yeah, some of it's, yeah, just kind of like the manufactured stuff to make their story work. And it, it's fun to find out like, what are these like are actually like historically significant things. I, I have to, because this is a nerd podcast, I have to mention that unrelated to Moon Knight, I was putting together an a D&D dungeon set in the Pyramid of Khufu, like before this series, but pretty quickly before. And one of my players was an archaeology major, so I knew I had to get like pretty pretty tight on the Egyptian lore. <laughs> um, which, you know, I've always been interested in Egyptian lore, but I had to like refresh myself. And it was interesting how much of that paid off in watching Moon Knight. I was like, oh, like they did a, an okay job of following yeah. the the lore here or the, you know, the the mythology. And also the my introduction to Moon Knight as a character, my brother-in-law, when he was a younger person, used to collect Hero Clicks, the Marvel Hero Clicks, which is its own sort of miniature game. Okay. And not too long ago, he was like cleaning out the closet and was like, "Hey, you play D and D? Are you interested in any of these minis?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, sure. I mean, I'll take a look at him." And he there were a bunch of this like cool cloaked character. And I was like, what's this one? I like, I know enough about Marvel, but what's this one? He was like, Oh, that's moon Knight. Moon Knight's pretty cool. So 
anyway, that's I just felt at some point during this episode I had to comment it on. It all comes full it circle. It all comes full circle. I think uh, while we're here to yeah. talk about the that episode five where they're going through the memories, I thought that was really cool. That mm-hmm. that that really worked for me, and then you, you learn more, you, you learn more about the characters, and that's a good way to like kind of introduce, as you mentioned, like the the, the trauma yeah. response and working up to that. Like they don't, you're, you're right. They they show they don't tell. They don't just go. Oh, my brother died, right. and I feel like it was my fault, and that's why I created you. Yeah. And, oh, and that was a punch to the gut. Yeah, I mean that really was was very real and very emotionally impacting i at least for me i mean i found myself welling up looking at that because it was the acting's great the writing is smart i i will say i i think so much of this series was pretty pitch perfect and it's just yeah there's just those sort of few stumbling blocks but i mean on the whole i forgive them and i'd love to see more of it i think that's the other part is i'd love to see more of it i'd love to see more of this character, even if it's part of an ensemble or as a cameo in another series or a movie, I do want more. And I guess that's a good a good thing for a television show to leave you with is that feeling that you want more. Yeah, I still don't know if I'm there. I, I like I said, watching it week to week, it was more of a chore to watch it every week for me. And I don't, again, I don't know exactly why because I don't have a ton of gripes with it. Yeah, but I just know watching it. I would like, you know, uh, look down at my phone, kind of just like not. It just was not grabbing me. Sean, well, you're the you're the resident expert here. On the whole, do you are, were you a fan of the adaptation? Would you want more? I would, um, absolutely. Just because, but that's also because I like to see stories continue, especially ones that I uh, enjoy. <laughs> but I mean, the funny thing in looking at who they've made the Disney plus TV series for Hawkeye moon Knight, Scarlet, Witch, and then I guess she Hulk's coming out. Those were all Avengers West coast. Um, when, back in sort of the nineties, probably eighties, nineties, they had two Avengers teams and there's the Avengers West coast and then just the Avengers. Which and the all Avengers these East coast, so to speak was the ones that with which we're more familiar. Iron Man, Captain America. Right. Yeah, West Coast was, was I think, the team leader, if I remember correctly, was Hawkeye. But then you had Vision, Scarlet Witch, uh, Moon Knight, and U.S. Agent. All characters that we're seeing in these, in these uh, Disney Plus series. So I think that's interesting. I don't know that there's anything more to read into that. But sure. I would, yeah, I would love to see this character again especially since there's so much more story that they can tell and sort of unique things that they do with this character in the books he like i know one of my favorite if we if i go on a little bit on the comics one of my favorite story arcs for moon knight was the whole thing was he was teaming up with spider-man captain america and wolverine and it's not till the very end of the comic that you find out he had created personalities for each of them. And he was Spider-Man, Wolverine, Captain America, and himself. So, I mean, they can certainly, they can certainly use him in other things. He's also, you know, I I think they're going to probably, if they, we see him again, it'll be more in the supernatural direction with, like, as we said earlier, blade. You mentioned blade. That does seem like a natural fit for where we could see him again. 
Yeah, because he, um, I think one of one of his bad guys that he runs into quite often is Mephisto, which we've heard so much of right, and in rumors <laughs> and. <laughs> And and we'll probably never see because of the Chinese censorship laws. But yeah, <laughs> right, right. I like how as we go along, we get uh, MCU confirming ancient god uh, theories of cultures. Yes, being being right. Yes, <laughs> they did exist. <laughs> well, and interesting too. I think that's worth touching on. You know, we now have the Egyptian pantheon confirmed it's right. part of the mcu and soon we will be seeing um we you know we've had the norse pantheon in thor love and thunder we have zeus and and of course we've seen the eternals presumably the, well the yes. guy with a giant golden thunderbolt at least bolt. that's what we're yeah at least <laughs> that's what we're bolt. being led to believe so yes it is interesting that yeah and i know that's comic true i know that's true to the comics that that was something that they played around with was these different mythologies and these different deities it's sort of like the movies taking we already have all these stories written in comics. Let's just put it in a movie and it makes it our job easier. Well, <laughs> decades earlier, the comics were taking stories already written in mythology right. and putting them. There hasn't been original idea in 3000 years. Well, right. <laughs> and beyond that, if you think about it and to relate this back to D and D, like the more powerful your heroes become, the more powerful your villains have to become to be, be legitimate threats. And at some point, if, you know, Doctor Strange or Scarlet Witch have the power of gods. Like your your villains have to be godlike or deities themselves to be threatening at all. Or you know, in the case of of like Thor: Love and Thunder, the protagonist of that movie presumably is somebody who is a killer of gods. So how much more powerful? And Thanos. I mean, Thanos had the ability to through his you know use of the Infinity Stones to snap half of the universe out of existence. So. Your threats have to become almost cartoonishly large. Yeah, so why it, not go to good source material? What's the Spider-Man one? Vulture, just a guy yeah. flying around with alien tech. I don't think that's <laughs> going to cut it anymore. Yeah, but yeah, but when you're a teenager uh, <laughs> who's like making his own web slingers and hasn't <laughs> having his aunt sew his costume or whatever, yeah, that that threat matches that superhero. Well, I think on the whole. Uh, you, you've been outvoted, Chops, that this was it was decent or good or great and that we would see more of it. I would encourage, and I'm going to do the same myself, I would encourage a rewatch because I do think there is something to the the mis- parts that were mysterious. Holding all of that in your head from week to week would be difficult. I, I felt like I even liked it more as preparing for this this week's podcast. I read through the synopses of the episodes, yeah. and I was like, oh, so that's what that was. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that did happen. And connecting those dots, even just reading them, yeah. I had a at least a better appreciation for the story. And in the, that is the trouble when you have an, a, a mystery story that's six or seven hours long. Like, as you pointed out, in a two-hour movie or two-and-a-half-hour movie even, you can kind of keep those pieces in your head. You can juggle them pretty well. But when you have seven hours worth of content stretched out over six weeks or whatever, right? yeah, it becomes pretty difficult. Your brain isn't built for that. I think we've said what we have to say. Moon Knight, go give it a watch. It's on Disney+. Plus. Once again, we'd like to thank our resident super fan, Sean Brueger, for coming on to Nerd Association again, helping us to understand Moon Knight better, bringing your expertise to the table. Sean, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I love being here. Thank you, guys. And if you'd like to uh, let us know what you thought about Moon Knight or any of the sort of Marvel projects going on right now, you can always find us at 
nerd underscore associ on Twitter. That's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. Let us know your opinion of Moon Knight. You can also email us at nerdassoc at gmail.com. You can give us some ideas for upcoming shows or even come on and be a super nerd yourself. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.